And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it? You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 82 of The Roundtable. Grant Brisby, I'm here with Andy McCullough and a much younger, fresher-looking Mark Carrig, uh, who goes by the name of Stephen Nesbitt. Stephen, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining and pinch-hitting for uh, uh, Carrig. I'm always happy to help bring up the uh, the level on this show. <laughs> the energy, uh, well, I mean, ob- the, the punctuality improves a ton. Uh, it's not 9.03 and we're already rolling, so uh, Andy, what's up? Nez is on time. He's probably going to pay attention for at least 40 of the 45 minutes that we're doing it as compared to Mark, who gives us about five minutes of his time most episodes. So I'm excited. Uh, Andy, are you in Florida? No, I'm in Arizona. You have a Florida shirt on. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do have uh, it's it's Vineyard Vines. Um my wife dropped me off at the Vineyard Vines, and she said to herself, what's the worst that could happen? And this is the shirt I came out with. So, uh, you know, it's nice. Did it cost more because the patterns are so complicated? Hey, whoa. All right. Is that what, We're going to... Uh, hey, look, I'm Dan Flashes. Everyone laughs, laughs at me, even though there's no jokes. Ha, 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 ha. It's so funny. There's a reason SNL rejected all these sketches. All right. Oh, man. So... So bitter. All right, let's talk baseball. We joke a lot on uh, on this podcast about how we don't like baseball or watch baseball. And those are jokes. Those are jokes. Uh, I'm particularly uh, baseball obsessed, always have been. I've got a picture of me meeting Johnny LaMaster in uh, a Kaiser when I was like four. Um, and he what a sentence. It. Yeah. And Andy, I know that you came later to baseball uh, just by terms of your profession, but you like the sport. Nez, I'm, I'm assuming you like it, and that's why you're here. We all like baseball, right? I'm hoping to get there someday. All right, all right. But can you imagine being in this profession uh, and not liking baseball? That's the question. That's the question for us today, which leads us to Anthony Rendon. I would just stop asking him questions. I strongly disagree. I think he should talk every day. He's great. Yeah, I just, I'm, like, it doesn't even make me mad. Like, you see the quote tweets on, like, Sam's tweet, and people are really fired up. Like, how can you play baseball? It's not like you're working, uh, uh, you know, at a hedge fund or something. It, I, I just, he is just such a grumpy, 
He's a grumpy cat. I'll just say it right now. He's a grumpy, he's a grumpy cat. And it, but you know what you're going to get? It's it's almost like a, a Marvel movie now. It's like, all right. Well, I also think what he said is not controversial if someone else said it. So, Grant, do you have the bell handy? I, I've got two dogs on me. It's right there. Okay. I can, I'm pointing at it. Okay, so Grant's pointing at the bell. If you asked, for example, someone like Clayton Kershaw, is baseball your number one priority? He would most likely say, no, my number one priorities are my faith, my family, and then baseball comes first. You know, if you asked, you know, Freddie Freeman, if you asked, you know, who knows? If you asked the overwhelming majority of baseball players, they would list their priorities in that order. The difference between the overwhelming majority of Major League Baseball players and Anthony Rendon is that they play baseball more often than he does, and he does not. Whether, you know, some of it is obviously injury, and there are folks, you know, within the game, folks within his organization who believe he's not particularly invested in, you know, extending his career and making the most of it. So it's not really what he said. It's just, you know, the soundtrack to the actions. There's really nothing Anthony – like, if Anthony Rendon came out and said, like, this is the year, man. Like, I'm given 130%. Would people have been like, oh, all is forgiven? No, it's just because he hasn't been on the field. I find his act to be quite amusing. When he was good, he was the same way. You know, when he was with the Nationals, he was the same flippant, you know, sarcastic guy. He was open about – you know, like his sort of ambivalence toward baseball. I mean, I think I've told this story on the pod before and like no one ever really wrote about it, but like it stuck with me at the 2019 World Series when he was with the Nationals. He was asked a question uh, about Ryan Zimmerman, who I believe was like 35. And he was like, you know, talk about what Zimmerman's done. And he was kind of raving like, I, you know, this guy is, you know, he keeps himself in shape. He's so valuable. You know, he's really pushing. He's still out there at 35. You know, it's really impressive. And and he, Rendon was 30 at the time. And the, the follow-up was like, so what do you see yourself doing at 35? And he goes, hopefully not playing baseball. <laughs> and then he signed a seven-year contract that winter. So, you know, this, like, we've all seen this coming. I don't know. Anyway, I'm monologuing. Ever since our, our buddy Sam Bloom put uh, put him on blast like he loves to do, just putting transcripts out there and letting them speak for themselves, I was thinking, what, what would I say if someone asked me, is like, if you work at The Athletic, is that your top priority? I'd be like, no. I mean, there's family, you know, faith, there's there's the lawn. But, like, it's <laughs> it's there. I, like, I love I love working here. I, I enjoy it. But uh, I guess I don't make the same millions that, that he does. So... There is, it's like it's bad PR, but it's also I'm fine with him saying that. Uh, he clearly doesn't care about PR, so so let's go for it. What I what stuck out to me about that whole conversation was I mean, we knew what he was going to say basically, so it's just like the shock of seeing him actually say it that is making headlines because it's more some a semantic argument to me. Like, is it a top priority versus is it a priority for you? But what I loved was the detail about him starting with it, that this came up for him when he was looking through his emails because he needs to make space <laughs> like all of us in our in our Gmail folder. And he's going through 20, going to like a decade back, 2014 emails that he wrote like a pro con list about uh, keeping going in the game. Dude, he had just come off like a fifth place finish in the MVP that year. If, if he was if he was like unsure about if he wanted to continue at that point, maybe if this has any impact, maybe team will be a little more careful in the future before they give a guy a big contract just to be like, Hey, let me talk to everybody around you to make sure that like you still want to probably keep playing into your 30s. That's going to be a thing for us if you don't. By the way, if we were allowed to bet on baseball, I would love to place a wager that he does not have a Gmail account but uses a rice.edu account that he's had <laughs> ever since he matriculated there. That's a good bet. That is a good bet. I would love to get some action on that. 
There is a definite genre of baseball player who is good at the game, who has always been good at the game, but maybe their uh, passion is the ballet or something. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a difference between being a professional baseball player and having a passion. You can see the players who do, right? You can see the players, they just, you know, hey, let's play two. Let's go out. And that's, they love it and they love everything about it. And then there's the players who are just, they were always good at it. And then they kept shoveling money towards them. And now they're doing what they're doing in the Jamie game and the grain. Yeah. But honestly, I can identify that because when I'm writing, it's not as if I'm like, oh, hell yeah. You know, verb, you know, conjugate that. Yeah. Ooh, adjective. Hell yeah. Oh, this is my brain on the paper and I'm fulfilled. Like, no, sometimes it's a grind. And I don't, I'm not one of those writers who's just passionate. I was never in college when I was taking creative writing classes. I wasn't the one who like wanted to have writers groups and, you know, do share each other's writing and like give pointers and then go back and get excited to, to rework it. Like I just, I'm good at it, you know, and they've kept shoveling tens of thousands of dollars my direction and so keep doing it you know so they're shoveling tens of hundreds of dollars tens of hundreds of freelance boom ten dollar bill boom ten dollar <laughs> bill i get paid in 50s every week <laughs> <laughs> but you know i mean it's i love my job i love the athletic uh, but it's i could see if i had to fly uh, I don't know how many times they fly a year, but like you know, 100, 100 times a year, 50 times a year, whatever. If I had to fly and grind and like see you chuckleheads in the plane in the clubhouse for 13 hours a day, it might really sap my love of writing. You know what I mean? Like there might be that might take priority over the, the craft itself. This has gotten a little meta. Did you see the name he invoked at the end? He was like, listen, people don't like everybody. Barry Bonds, arguably the greatest player to ever play the game and people still hate him. Barry Bonds also played 140 plus games 15 times in his career. So, you know what? Same guy, different conversation. Good genes. Good genes. Uh, you know, that's how he was able to play so many games, especially as he got into his 40s. Just <laughs> good genes, exercise routines. Sorry, okay. Andy. I think it is to 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 segue slightly because I think I feel like we're all kind of in agreement on Rendon. The issue is that he doesn't play baseball. I find his comments to be generally amusing. Um, the issue is just that like he hasn't played more than like he hasn't played sixty games since like twenty nineteen. But it does sort of get into the thing that executives will tell you like free agency, not the best way to build your team. <laughs> And there's a reason why four of the top free agents, all uh, represented by Scott Boris, the same man who represented Anthony Rendon, are still on the market. And that's kind of been like there's there's been like two things everyone's talking about here in Arizona, right? And we'll get to this because Steven did such a good job writing about it, how the jerseys are awful. The jerseys are so bad, the new ones. And then that's what all the players are talking about. They're just like, can you believe, what the, f- is it f-? and the executives are just like, oh, Boris is in a bit of a pickle, isn't he? You know, <laughs> uh, just, and they're sort of like taking delight in it, you know, because he's, they've been sort of butting heads for, you know, genuinely three decades. Um, and so there is a, it's a very, you know, Ken Rosenthal did a really good job writing about it today. Like Cody Ballinger still available. Matt Chapman still available. Blake Snell, reigning Cy Young Award winner, still available. Jordan Montgomery, postseason hero, still available. And uh, there's no real movement in sight. It's wild. And if you're thinking like, oh, well, they'll just sign a one-year pillow contract and be be out there next offseason. That doesn't fly for me if I'm Bellinger or Snell, two of the highest variance players you can possibly imagine. They should, the first time someone offered or offered them five years, six years, seven years in, in November or whatever, take it. 
take it. You because if if you're going to do a one year deal and then Blake Snell, I don't know, he, he tears a fingernail or something. He's out for a couple months and he's not getting that deal again this off season. If Bellinger shows any hint that last season was uh, the exception and not the new rule, he's not getting a big time deal. I I, I don't know. I. I'm obviously not Scott Boris. I've got the brain for the puns, but not the the contracts. Uh, I think that should have been the priority entering the offseason was just making sure this didn't happen. That was 1A. 1B was getting the best contract he could for his clients. And I think that starts with 1A and just not extending it because you you wrote biffed it. And that's a perfect, perfect word. He's, He's biffed it. It's a tough spot. Yeah. And especially since Bellinger took a pillow contract last year. It's kind of hard to, you know, he takes a pl- pillow contract, has a pretty good platform here, and then take another one. That's a tough sell. There's the the sort of devilish glee outcome here, which is where what Ken wrote that all these executives are on the record now saying kind of like, yeah, we're kind of happy. I don't think any additions are are coming in our camp. And um, Farhan Zaidi, the quote was, uh, it's a little more disruptive to add at this point. Like, is that true? I think you're, you're fine. I think the Phillies did all right with bringing in Harper late. The Padres did all right bringing in Machado late. So I think that's mostly bluster. But I think the more realistic outcome is they may be painted into a, a corner enough that they take a, a more creative deal, I think. It's not just loads of money heaped upon. It's the opt-out after every year. It is the opt-outs after two, four, and six, whatever. I think that's more likely where we're headed is these guys end up making the money that we expected them to get. But yeah, I don't think executives mind Boris looking at least um, something less than uh, the, the the hero he's often painted as in, in baseball circles for getting guys their money. I think they're they're enjoying that that he's uh, I don't know I guess kind of having to wait out for like an injury at this point um, or just take a deal that's already on the table. It's patently absurd to claim that it's disruptive to bring Isn't in that a great? baseball player. That like at least some of the other teams are just like we don't have the money or like the Cubs were like I don't know, we're just kind of waiting for Bellinger's price to come down. Basically, <laughs> like to say it's disruptive. Oh no, we've brought, we've brought in Matt Chapman. How will we survive this <laughs> huge personality <laughs> coming in? But also the the first two months of the season don't mean anything. Uh, but we can't certainly can't bring in somebody in February. It's just yeah, it's right. It's just sort of like it is. It's such a. I've said this. I've said this before. Like all of these players are 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 good, and all of them are flawed. Bellinger is especially strange. I'm just like kind of low on Chapman in general. You wouldn't hate him. Like you can play. You can play on the team. Like he's a good player. You know. It's just I don't feel crazy about like a five-year commitment to a, a player with his offensive profile you know Montgomery is a number three starter and like we know what the price is for number three starters and clearly like he is seeking more than that and Snell is a weird one so you've got you know, like kind of two weird ones one where I think the industry is just leery of kind of what he's going to do as a hitter and the other one we just kind of know what this guy is and they're asking for too much and also as you know ken is reported as you know former friend of the show lindsey adler is reported you know like when teams have called on montgomery you know they are saying that boris is directing them to snell boris denies that but that's also you know what executives often say is part of his playbook is kind of choreographing moves, you know, to keep places open for, you know, he's tends to have the Emerald chessboard out and to move all the pieces. And he just hasn't been able to do that. All right. Let me go through uh, our own Tim Britton's very, very good predictions, uh, projections. I should say they're projections of what uh, these players are going to get to him. The number four free agent on the market was Cody Bellinger. His projection at the start of the offseason was six years, 162 million, uh, more or less, more or less. Yeah, I'll take the under on that one. 
But the over's still in play. You think so? It's still in play. I think Bellinger, he could still be over, but it's a 27 AAV. If he gets six years, maybe it's a little bit lower. Um, I could see them going a little bit shorter, an opt-out, you know, a situational opt-out that makes it higher at the end if he wants to stay in. Okay, well, you know, I'll skip that down to the number eight free agent, Matt Chapman, who, Tim Britton's a very excellent projection, five years, 95 million. That sounds about right to me at this point. I'm going to take the under on that. Take the under. There's just not many teams that are that desperate for a third baseman. You know, after the after the D-backs traded for uh, Eugenio Suarez, like that filled up a hole. And then the Cubs probably don't want to play, you know, Christopher Morrell at third base, but they're certainly threatening to do it. And they seem locked in on Bellinger more so than Chapman. And so, you know, there's some chatter about Seattle, I guess. But yeah, as producer Brian says, the Giants have Pablo Sandoval back. So you know, they're, <laughs> they're good there. Yeah, I feel like I feel like rewind a couple of years, it would have been surprising that Chapman wouldn't hit 100 million. But I, I don't think he does here, especially with it going this long. It was very clear who the suitors are. I don't think there's a bidding war for, for Chapman, despite how good he is defensively. Blake Snell, five years, $135 million. That seems kind of reasonable for a team that's desperate if you're maybe the Yankees and want uh, another starting pitcher. But it, I don't know. Does he get does he get five years, 135 over or under? I take the over. Yeah, me too. On that. I take the over. The issue, you know, with the Yankees, I, I believe, you know, uh, that Chris Kirshner and Brendan Cuddy wrote about it. It's like with the luxury tax, like a one-year $40 million deal costs $84 million. So, like, because they're in the penalty phase, you know, adding Soto and, you know, they still have, you know, Judge and Cole and Stan and all these sort of big money guys. Still DJ LeMahieu and, you know, all this stuff. So they like, uh, yeah, so it, it, the Yankees are, I, the Yankees make a lot of sense for Snell in a vacuum because this is very much a win now year. They really need to maximize, you know, this one year with Soto, even if they think they have a chance of bringing him back. Um, but, you know, with the way that the luxury tax is set up, you know, they're kind of claiming that, you know, they're, they're handcuffed. They made an offer, they were in on him and, you know, but they made the offer, I believe, before they signed Marcus Stroman. That's a weird spot. Like, like the 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 the, the Dodgers would have made a lot of sense for him, but that was before they acquired Yamamoto, Glasnow, Paxton, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> they did a little bit of work. I, I think if you're sort of game theorying this out as a GM, and these projections for uh, Snell and Montgomery were both five years, and the difference was twenty-seven million a year and twenty-one million a year. I think. You see it as a win that you're going this deep in the offseason. They're still available. You're waiting them out. In theory, maybe these guys would have gotten uh, even more, I guess, overpaid in your mind early in the offseason. But they're still here. And if you can get them at that price, I'd pay 27 to Snell before I'd pay 21 to Montgomery. Snell has the upside to give you Cy Young's. Montgomery doesn't. I mean, he can be a very productive pitcher. But I, I think you waited out. You pay him that price or even a little bit above. I think you... I actually think you're getting a little bit of a bargain based on I'm sure what what Boris thought he was going to get at the outset of the offseason. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, and I'll just toss one other contract in here. Sunny Gray, three years, seventy five million. Boy, that looks smart. Boy, that looks smart from here. That just that we deal. We love that deal from the start, right? Yeah. yeah, that deal looked good. I mean, we're pro labor, you know, so we would have <laughs> liked to see him get more. But yeah, the Cardinals did well there. That was that was uh, striking when the iron was hot in the hot stove. I'm mixing metaphors, but yeah, that's just a good deal. At the same time, if you're a team that is still looking for pitching, and that you know, that's most teams, not all teams, but 
every team can add a, an upgrade to the rotation for the most part. They've got to be so tempting, um, you know, just to, to go out to Costco and buy a six-pack of Blake Snell at this late date. That just, that just sounds so, like, you can just make your team better. Like, you can just add four wins, you know, to your projection. It's just all a matter of prices, right? Like if it's if it's twenty seven million a year, like okay, sounds good. But it's probably not twenty seven million a year. It probably starts with a three, you know, and inches. And you know, Scott Boris can argue like this is a two time Cy Young Award winner. Look at how he compares to other two time Cy Young Award winners. You know, look at his age. Look at his mileage. You know, uh, he's like he is entering his age 31 season, but he hasn't, you know, been pushed hard. So like you can argue that his inability to go deep in games actually makes him theoretically more durable. Um, You can look at how he's pitched since the second half of last year, some 2022. I mean, like he's just been lights out. Like you can make a lot of these arguments. The the thing is, this is the industry also knows that like they have baseball reference too. You know, like they can create their own arbitrary endpoints to make their arguments. And so, um, oh, my phone is ringing here. <laughs> is that so in the hotel room? Yeah, I'm in a hotel room. Just give me a second, guys. Yeah, no. We can take this live. We're not cutting this. Yeah, no. Hello. Okay, thank you for letting me know. Producer Brian said, I bet it's Kershaw. Let's ask him how Clayton is. Is Clayton in the lobby? Fellas, it was a good thing I showered because the hot water is going to be off until 5 p.m. <laughs> oh, okay. I, yeah, no, no. This is my priority, not faith and family. There you go. <laughs> uh, where were we? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I will say this about Montgomery. His profile has has a lower ceiling than Snell, uh, for sure. Like, that's, that's clear. Uh, but since 2021, Snell has a 125 ERA+, plus and Montgomery has a 121 ERA+. Plus. Montgomery's steady. He's like... You're going to get, you know, 185 innings or so of 120 ERA plus ball for teams who like need like ballast in the middle of their rotation, like the Dodgers, for example. Like, I don't understand why the Giants aren't signing him, Grant. Like why you could use that type of player. 100%. He's uh, maybe the ceiling's not as high, but the floor is much higher. It wouldn't be like you look up in five years and Jordan Montgomery is still doing his thing and you'd be like, wow, how did that happen? I've never seen that happen in baseball. It's like he seems like the kind of guy who could do that uh, Mark Burley style and just, you know, never go the other way. I just want to say that when the Giants bringing Pablo Sandoval to camp, even Bryce Harper, the patron saint of modern-day pandering, is like, that's too much. (laughs) What are you talking about? He's a two-way player. Lower career ERA, higher career batting average than Shohei. We can't disrupt the environment, but we do need to bring back... We do need to bring back this guy who hasn't been good in a decade. I will I will say, though, uh, my editor, Melissa Lockhart, who's really good at what she does and really has her finger on, on the pulse of uh, prospectum and minor league stuff, she pointed out that this isn't as cute as it used to be because the minor leagues are so much smaller. You have so fewer roster spots. And so to get Pablo, even on a minor league deal, uh, it's not necessarily something that doesn't have a cost. It probably doesn't, um, but you're talking like the Giants had a guy, Carter Aldretti, uh, who's not necessarily a prospect, but you could see one day if this works out. Well, they they had to release him because they didn't have enough roster spots, stuff like that. I might have that wrong, so if you're listening, Carter, just check with your agent. I might have been... If you're not... Oh, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, you know what I mean. It's just the, the rosters are so much smaller than they used to be. So as a pro labor guy, where do you fall on that? Because as a man getting a job and then a man losing a job, the billionaire should be able to pay for both jobs. Seize the means of no. Um, I, I listen. I, okay. So he was playing in Dubai last year. Uh, he's 37. What are we doing? Giants fans are sort of over nostalgia to the point where they are looking for a backup shortstop Brandon Crawford is still available. He would be the left-handed backup to a right-handed shortstop. He would actually fit fairly well, and there's no clamoring. You know what I mean? It's it, you'll get a, f- a few fans going. Yeah, well, what about Crawford? Hey, it, but most fans are like, that happened. That was great. Let's let's move forward. And so, yeah, I mean, get get Pablo in um, to to you know whack some dingers around the the young players and tell stories and and stuff like that. Whatever. Hey, come on though. What are we doing here? When Alex Pavlovic reported that he was coming to camp, I saw the tweet. 
And I was like, oh, that's cool. I think it's nice that they're having instructors who have are part of the connective tissue of the organization. Like, that's cool. Like, it's good to have him around. Oh, no, he's he's there and competing for a roster spot. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Fourth place, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, uh, one of the quotes I liked from Farhan was he said, I, I just I wanted to stop the texts of uh, his workout videos, constant text of his workout videos. And to be fair, he looks good. Like he, I'm just going to say it, best shape of his life. You know, I don't know about that, but he, he looks good. He looks good. Eh, what are we doing here? Dubai, 37. <laughs> How about them uniforms, huh? Yes. Steven, that, that was a heck of a story. I'm not necessarily like a, a fashion Easter. Uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the guy would, when I showed off a hat, uh, on Twitter, someone was like, oh, man, that's 47 instead of New Era or something. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, I, I guess I whiffed that one. But even I can tell that these uniforms are trash. And you chased down that story. It was me, but also, like, all of our reporters, to give credit, I sat in my house and called Fanatics and Nike, who didn't want to talk to me. And and our, our reporters got a bunch of different quotes from around the league and and. and the boiled down version is is really guys don't like it at all. From, <laughs> on on two fronts, it's the can confirm. It's the design issues, which is like weirdly small lettering. It's changes in things like the cubby blue and the Cardinals chain stitching, which I learned is a thing. The feel of it just guys say it feels cheaper. It feels like that replica you pick up at, at Dick's Sporting Goods or 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 what did you say earlier, Kaiser? Uh, they sell <laughs> stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a hospital, but yeah. Oh, a grocery <laughs> store. Um, and uh, so the feel of it is, is kind of weird. Nike's like, oh, it's stretchy or breathable. But I honestly feel like there's kind of a thing where guys want it to be kind of like that that majestic, you know, heavier jersey where you like feel like you're in the majors instead of the one you picked up with like mesh off the shelf. There's the uh, other parts of it where guys like can't fit their legs in it. And they're like, you used to be able to customize this. You used to be able to customize this. Um, Carlos Estevez and other relievers specifically, Tommy Canley, they're all just like, yeah, I can't fit in these anymore. You get like a couple different options of like slim fit, basically I was getting jeans and they just don't have the room they need. And so guys are really miffed about this. And, and, and we're at a point where, honestly, like the most interesting part to me was that you had this whole sort of uh, campaign of, of guys coming out and saying, actually, I love this. It was time for a, a new uniform. And this started at the All-Star game. And I kept looking it up just to be like, I can't, there is no list of like who's sponsored by Nike, but all these guys wear Nike and several of them I know to be sponsored. So I pointed, pointed that out. And I, I went on TV today with NBC News and they asked me, they like aired those same quotes and they asked me like, you think it is? Guys will just get used to it. I was like, I don't mean to be like a massive skeptic here, but like all those guys are Nike guys. And it should be noted that all the people saying nice things about this wear Nike and have some incentive here. So there we are. I don't know if any change is going to come from it. Dansby Swanson kindly spoke with us and I thought was very reasonable saying, look, there's some things I'd like to change. I'm going to talk to Nike or I already have. So maybe some things can change. I do think it's too late to like actually make substantial changes, but uh, I guess here we are. The not customizable part is bananas to me. That's hilarious. I mean, it's like, <laughs> so I'm just going to pull, I, Sean Murphy, right? Who went viral um, for his butt. You have catchers who have like, their power center is lower and they might have bigger legs and they might have bigger, whatever. Like you need to customize that stuff. Yeah, sandblasters. 
sandblasters and just and then you have the guys who uh, like you know tight pants tommy and you, you've got walker bueller you know if you if you robbie farted, ray i mean geez if these guys fart you can see the bubble run down the ankle you know what I, i'm saying I, um yeah like how do you not customize that because then you have guys who don't want that like i can't imagine pitching in in tight pants like that i think i'd be like the other i'd be mc hammer out there um that's how i'd want it how do you not like i don't know it's it's bananas I normally am, despite being one of the co-hosts of the only pro-labor podcast, I normally sort of like hand wave away ballplayer complaints about stuff um, because, you know, like that's what the money's for. And like, the you know, it's a workplace. They like complaining about stuff. Their complaints are not more important than anyone else's workplace complaints. We just care about their workplace, right? And so um, I just kind of... You know, like when players will be like, uh, you know, we don't get paid in spring training, right? And it's like, yeah, but you have a $12 million guaranteed okay, contract Anthony. that you will see at some point, you know, um, like I just don't care. But with this, I think the reason why this resonated so much with people is one, the jerseys objectively look bad. And two, like fans have been sort of suffering from this company fanatics in trying to buy their gear, you know, for quite some time. And it's really like reached a fever pitch, um, you know, in the past like year or two where they just buy stuff that is like grummy. You know, that like doesn't look great, doesn't feel great, doesn't fit right, has mistakes in it. I mean, there was like around uh, the holidays, there was like threads of people opening, you know, hot, like, you know, Christmas presents or whatever. And it's like, you know, St. Louis Cardinals, but they're missing a C in Cardinals and stuff like that. And so like fans can really relate to just sort of like basically saying like, wow, that looks like, you know, the crummy jersey that I thought was going to be a lot nicer that I bought online. And so there's this sort of like, if this is affecting the actual ball players, right? If this is affecting the actual big league product, what are we doing? Like, what this can't be allowed to stand. Like, they have they have to go out there and look good. Like, it's a visual medium. They have to like be wearing uniforms that fit that don't look like the numbers are gonna fall off. I mean, it's it's just kind of crazy. It's like, what was it? I think it was Team Great Britain last year in the World Baseball Classic where everything just started falling off. Like they started losing their numbers and <laughs> we'll see some of that. But you're right. There's so much There's so much built up frustration towards fanatics, you know, well-deserved across all sports. They're going to start taking over the NHL jersey contract um, this winter. So people have frustrations over that. We have written some very critical stories about them. Uh, what's strange about this is like, this is a Nike designed, Nike engineered product just manufactured by fanatics. So it's kind of like who deserves... More of the blame, uh, Paul Lucas of, of UniWatch basically spelled out like Nike deserves the blame, blame here. I tend to lean that way as well. But it's also like the Majestic uh, company that used to make baseball's jerseys until 2019, they were bought by Fanatics in 2017. So Fanatics kind of running all that. And then now the Nike jerseys are made at the exact same facility. It's just like, it's weird combination of companies being involved here. And it, it sort of hit that sweet spot of, Players were upset about it, so people cared. Fans were upset, so they cared. And Fanatics was involved, and so they just sort of <laughs> right. uh, popped off. And, and then Manfred came out and said, like, basically, everyone's going to get used to it. It's going to be great. The lettering on the names makes no sense to me. It feels like the easiest change, too. Yeah, that looks like my Horsham Hawks jersey from Pop Warner. <laughs> That's unacceptable. It's weird to have unanimity on the internet when it comes to something, right? It's weird. Every you go on you go online and you, if you tweet something like I like the Beatles, you'll get someone in your mentions going, the Beatles are mid. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like 
that's just how it is. And you, you, you like, I understand it. Like you, some, some things are for some people, some things are not. And no one's going to agree on everything, but it's like, everyone can agree that Jason Stark is a treasure. And everyone can agree that Fanatics is the worst company of all time in every respect. Like, those are the only two things that people can agree on on the internet. And it just seems like, I, I don't know, like, like I said, I'm not, I don't have a ton of sports gear, so I'm not really hip to the whole Fanatics thing. I just know that everyone hates them. There's not someone that pops in and replies and goes, actually, I think they're kind of fine. It's just, no, they just stink and have stunk for a while. And I find it fascinating that they keep falling upward. The argument that the NBC News reporter made earlier, just before my hit again on, on television, was that they had to be smaller letters because with the new fabric, you, they could, fabric couldn't like hold larger letters. I mean, that sounds like an issue, Nike, with the with the fabric. You probably <laughs> why is NBC News into. running talking points for Nike? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is so bizarre. Like, what? These jerseys look like crap. Like, I'm so, what? That is so weird. I should try to link this, but the best part was was the reporter showed a jersey of two Aaron Judge jerseys, old and new, to two fans. And the girl, I don't remember which one she picked, but this young boy said, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like 10 years old. It was great. Oh, man. No, I, yeah, I just, I don't understand it. Um, I don't, I don't see where they, it, all right, I think they should go back to wool. I think just go back to the wool. <laughs> Those things were awesome. You know, I'm not the one wearing it. You know, if they're itchy and hot, I don't care. They looked great. Get get the old flannels back. Boy, I had so many mentions on in the comment section and on Twitter about uh, Costanza. And I don't really know the reference. It's something about polyester. But everyone had the same reaction to the story. Seinfeld's mid. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love Seinfeld. Um, but yeah, I... I I just don't see how a company that is so widely loathed, and I know that this is this is like baby brain stuff, like you know, it's just, the answer is light capitalism oh, or something Grant. like this. But but uh, I just don't understand how they they keep failing upwards. I just I just don't get why John Fisher owns the A's. I just what the heck? What kind of what kind of system would permit this to happen? It starts with a C. Oh, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what it's called. I learned this in college, yeah. but I was hungover. I, I don't just, remember. I just think at some point someone say, your product sucks and it's going to make us look bad. Um, maybe it won't make as much money as we think. I don't know. A baby brain. Tony Clark said some stuff. About, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I suspect there will be some sort of changes to it. Uh, but, you know, because especially some of the stuff feels like simple, you know, especially the... Uh, the lettering and things, but it's not. It's nice to be have the players complaining about something by, besides the baseballs. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. good. I think that's a welcome change. I think it's a new year. You know, we haven't heard yet how the baseballs are somehow screwed up again. You know, because someone gave up a home run in April that they didn't think was a home run. So there's a mass conspiracy. Uh, yeah, that's good. That is, I don't know, man. I just Naz, you wanted to talk about uh, trout a little bit. So why don't you start us off? Uh, we're going to go start with one Angels legend, move to another Angels <laughs> legend to end it. Mike Trout also got the transcript treatment from Sam Blum. And uh, so Mike Trout, it didn't come across initially to me as like him speaking pretty forcefully. But Sam wrote later a pretty convincing story that like, oh, Mike Trout doesn't talk like this. Mike Trout doesn't say, I've been talking to our owner and uh, GM and basically saying, push, 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 go go get some more free agents that are still out there. And, you know, they've been 
sort of, I don't know if it was rumored or just simply linked as a pretty good landing spot for Blake Snell early in the offseason. It doesn't seem like there's any traction on that now. But sure, they could they could bring in some more guys. And yet, Artie Moreno is out here basically saying, like, we're expecting payroll to come down, um, despite the fact that we lost the unicorn of baseball. And so Trout said, like, the easy way out would be for me to request a trade, and I'm not going to do that. But it kind of felt like he was leaving the door open to do that at some point. And so I like seeing this, spicy Mike Trout. Yeah, it was like the initial tweets were like Mike Trout says the you know the easy way out would be traded, but as Sam wrote, if you like, based on the whole conversation, it seems pretty clear Mike Trout's going to be asking for a trade in the near future. I mean, maybe not this year, whatever. Like the the, the dilemma is that trading Mike Trout is not particularly easy anymore. The the contract is onerous, and you know he while he remains a transcendent talent when he is on the field. Uh, let me ask you guys, when do you think was the last time he played more than 140 games in a season? 2020. Uh, <laughs> 2019? 2018. 18? 17? Wow. For an outfielder entering his age 32 season, right? 140 games is perfectly reasonable, right? Like, you you know, with days off and stuff like that. But he played 82 last year. Year before, it was 119, 36 in 2021. It was a bit healthy, you know, 134 in 2019, 140 in 2018, 114 in 2017. He gets hurt. He gets hurt, you know, fairly often. And the last few ones have been longer, I think, than anyone expected. And so, you know, who's going to spend the money to take on the rest of his contract? Trout is mid. Dude, his offensive numbers are so like his baseball reference. We're gonna, he's gonna retire someday. We'll look back at this. And be like, are you kidding me? Like the numbers aren't obviously the playing numbers aren't there right now, which is brutal. But like small sample or not, his numbers are consistently ridiculous. And his full seasons are not rookie season. His lowest one other than last year was a nine thirty nine OPS. Um, he's so good. That's crazy. That is nuts. But the contract is not easy to move, and I don't think the Angels could get. Like their pick of top 100 prospects. I think you either are eating money to get prospects uh, or you're just saying here free trout with proof of purchase. You know, like I don't see this as being something that rebuilds the angels as much as it is just, okay. you know, we're going to let you run free in the field with other Mike Trouts. On what planet do you see Artie Moreno eating money to get (laughs) prospects? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So it would just be, uh, you know, maybe you can do some sort of weird trade where it's you're get, taking a bad contract back. Um, like maybe you sign uh, uh, Blake Snell to a big contract and then next year you want to trade him uh, because he had such a bad year, you know, and you yeah, trade I mean, Mike Trout. You know, <laughs> it's it's rude to say, you know, hopeless, but it's a pretty bleak situation over there. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see. If we, if we get any progression or clarity on, like, what is his level of impatience here? Because, so he's, he's going to be paid through 2030, $35.5 million. And he knows as well as we do, he doesn't know how many healthy seasons he has in front of him. And so if he gives us four great months here, he gets to July, he doesn't need to demand a trade right now. He's got four months to do that. And so if he has a 900-plus OPS, no injuries in the first half, and he looks ahead of that contract, and says, I don't know how many more of these will be healthy years. I could, I could absolutely see him saying they had, they made no effort. I made it clear to them I wanted them to make an effort post Shohei. They didn't do it. They had an opportunity. I'm going to demand a trade and figure out the money because, I, yeah, I don't think there's any reason for him to continue <clears throat> trying to give them fully healthy um, MVP level seasons if they're 
clearly like pulling back a little bit. So I, I think this could be interesting a couple months here in uh, Angel Land again. The issue in trying to move a contract of that size up against a deadline is that you're not going to have the 29 other teams all interested. And so that's going to limit, like if you're thinking in terms of good processes, they should have just traded him this winter. Like they just should have, that's, that's the good process there. But they're, you know, so if, would you rather, if you are thinking about a contract of this size where it's going to be a complicated deal, do you want four suitors or do you want 12 suitors? There might not be 12 suitors, but you want the entire field open to you. And in mid season, you're just not going to have the entire field. Like, you know, you're just not going to have all the teams in there, but I don't know. I suspect at some point he will be traded, but I feel like it's probably going to be a year too late whenever it was. It already is. Like it are they've already they've already you know biffed it as they say. <laughs> if they trade Trout, would we ever mention the Los Angeles Angels again on this <laughs> podcast? Like Otani's got like I feel like we've talked so much Angels, and then it's going to be at some point in the podcast you're going to average it out, and we've talked about the Angels like a normal team because we're just not going to talk about them for two years. We're going to forget about them like the Twins. One day, one day we'll talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Not today, I'll tell you that much. But yeah. one day maybe. No, because we're, we're out of time. We're out of time, baby. Yeah, uh, next week. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah, uh, this has been episode number 82. Uh, we will be back next time. I believe it's two weeks. Why don't I ever check this? Uh, uh, we'll be back in two weeks, and we will talk about... Hold on, hold on. We're going to talk about in two weeks... Jonathan India. No, no. Spencer Steer. In yes. two weeks, I'll be saying to you, hey, Grant, shouldn't the Giants just sign Jordan Montgomery? And you'll be like, shut up. Shut up. I'm tired. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> that's about right. That's about right. It, it right. would be too disrupt- disruptive to, um, you know, <laughs> Keston. <laughs> Keaton Wynn. Oh, Keaton it's his Wynn. birthday today, you monster. Keaton Wynn or Happy birthday, Blake, Keaton Wynn. Blake Harrison or whoever, you know. All right. Episode 82. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Talk about baseball. That's what we do. See you then. I was very wrong.